Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Night Light. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is a time of awakening, of sharing and evolving, of spreading our wings and soaring on the cosmic breath of creation. Come and join with other light-minded spirits as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and with a little luck, some wisdom. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. everybody. So glad you could join me today. It's going to be an exciting show. Uh, I want to thank first, uh, of course, Ken Quiethawk for his intro. Please search him out on the internet. He's a native storyteller and his stories are amazing. You will learn something about our culture and cosmology and a, w- a new way of preserving history, which has been utilized for thousands of years, but not so much now. We should reinstate it, I think. My guest tonight is Michael Feely. He's written a book called Alchemy of the Gods, and in this book, Michael, as a trained police investigator, reveals to you that humans are not from Earth, but from another constellation entirely. He's also uncovered the pyramids and other mysterious monoliths around the world carry an encrypted message, and that there are highly and there are higher communications held within the likes of the Nazca lines, crop circles, hieroglyphic language, and the Moai heads of Easter Island. Michael makes astounding revelations about the mystery of the elongated skulls of Stonehenge, Egypt, Russia, Peru, and Malta, with a new interpretation of their meaning and formation, plus much, much more. Just who were um, these ancient gods? worshipped and idolized and documented by our ancient ancestors? Are they extraterrestrial beings from another far off from other far-off far worlds, or are they simply the elder race of man paying their root races a return visit, giving them the tools for inner transformation? Alchemy of the Gods is indeed a book sent from the stars. Experts in the field have commented, your level of research is astounding. That's Anthony Peake, best-selling author. Alchemy of the Gods is a fascinating and compelling read. Michael's multidisciplinary research leaves no stone unturned as he investigates the origins of our species, a must-read for those seeking the truth for who we are. 
That's Mary Rodwell, international speaker, researcher, and Eastern founder. And for more information, you can visit Michael's website at www.michael-feely.com. Please wait till after the show to visit, though, because listening to him is, is an, an adventure in itself. He's a former U.K. police officer and now an esoteric author, symbologist, and revealer of hidden and suppressed knowledge, often referred to as the real DNA Da Vinci Code. So it is my honor to welcome Michael to the show. Welcome, Michael. Hello. Uh, thank you for inviting me. It's good to be here. Thank you. Well, it's it's very exciting to have you here because your book is definitely unique, definitely one that 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 questions a great deal, but with great validity because of the research that you put into it. And I think that, that coming from the background that you come from gives you tools that most historians don't have and, and a different slant on understanding the reality and what it means. So you want to give us a little feedback on your, your background and how it led you into finding this code that you have utilized. No, absolutely, thank you. Uh, yes, my, my previous sort of life was in law enforcement for 17 years of a 30-year career. And 17 years into that career, strange things began to happen to me uh, to such an extent that my life turned for 160 degrees and I was no longer the same person. So I either went back to something I, I no longer resonated with or I continued forward to look into the kinds of adventures that that I was being subjected to and, and becoming an experiencer of. And at the beginning, I sort of made the decision, shall I follow the same tracks as everyone else and just repeat what everybody else is saying? Or do I look for some different and new tracks, which is where I was kind of being guided to go anyway. And I decided to look into new and different tracks and formulate a different perception of what the ancients were telling us because it had always been a fascination in any case and for 17 years prior to that I'd, I'd been been finding fingerprints at the scenes of crime but even though this wasn't a crime there were still fingerprints being left at the scene and that scene for me was the ancient world it was the pyramids it was the stonehenge it was the the edge of easter island it was the world religions that were hiding secrets within their scriptures it was sort of races and, and monoliths and monuments beyond planet Earth that were connected mathematically and provably mathematically to the monuments on Earth. So that that really was what happened. I, was, I sort of had a, an investigative mind, evidence-gathering mind. And when all these strange things began to happen to me, which, which brought me into this kind of arena by, I guess, a, a predeterminism, but certainly from this conscious viewpoint, it, it was kind of by force. And having been brought into this arena then I decided to, to, to make new tracks and unique tracks and look into, into to the world with, with new eyes Well I was I, I was most fascinated by, by the, the code that you found because you know it's something that hasn't been you know talked to or looked into and yet it's, it's obviously there how did you how did you develop that I mean I mean it's it's I, I my feeling is that that you have been divinely um, 
inspired in directions, you know, kind of like in spite of yourself, you've been going, you know, led in these directions. And, and this code with the numbers fascinated me. No, absolutely. When, when you look at the actual design and the creation of the universe, which I've done, then you can only have one conclusion, that it's a design. And that design mm-hmm. is, is largely mathematical in nature. So therefore, a lot of the, the monuments and the monoliths, and even the Bible and, and, and different ancient uh, holy scriptures, contain number sequences. They contain hidden secrets within numbers, within paraphrases, within symbols, within codes, all of these different things. And I found that the original Bible was actually the Giza Plateau. So everything that you see in the Christian Bible today, you can find originally in Giza, largely the Great Pyramid. And just one example mm-hmm. of that is, is if you look at the height of the pyramid, which is 481 feet, and by what is known as digital summation, if you take the individual numbers of 481, it equals 13. 481 divided by 13 equals 37, which is the numerical value of Christ. When you mirror that number, it becomes 73, which is the numerical value of Jesus. So 73 and 37, Jesus Christ. If you times those two numbers, it equals 2,701, which is the numerical value of Genesis 1-1, which is, you know, God, in, in the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth, and so on and so on. And, and these ancient monuments are absolutely littered with such numerology. If you look at the, the diameters of, of the Sphinx of Egypt, you get... Uh, 316,800. Now, that is the perimeter of New Jerusalem, biblically, which is really bringing heaven to earth. Now, when I times those numbers, I got 144, which is God as man, or man as God. And then you look into the 144,000 case stones, you then look into the number 9, then you look into the number 153, which relates to, basically, the fingerprints of the Creator. And as I say, it's absolutely littered with such numerology that even people now say to me you know i keep seeing triple five or i keep seeing triple one or triple two what does it Uh mean well triple two uh really if you get the number of christ 37 and you times it by the number of man six you get 222 so it's really the christ within and that's why people are seeing triple two and so on and so on so in in a in a a universe where mathematics is, is the, the primary language, then it's hardly surprising that a lot of these monuments that are connected to the creative energy have all of, all of these numerics that relate back to sort of the, the holy divine mind. Yeah, I just, I, I, I sat there at first thinking, what is he saying? And then I realized what you were doing, and it made perfect sense. And I've often wondered why um, the ancients hadn't left us messages about how to build the pyramids or what the Mori were for. And, you know, it just it, it makes complete sense that these structures are the messages that our ancients left us, and we haven't been curious enough, uh, wise enough to, to decipher the messages that were left because, you know, thousands and thousands of years, you have to say in thousands of years, what is humanity going to be able to understand about this? And you leave them a message assuming that they are going to be able to decipher it. 
And, you know, for the last 2,000 years, we haven't been deciphering much. So, you know, uh, it, it, to me, is, is saying, okay, we have all these messages that are scattered all over the globe and the moon and Mars and beyond, and now it's sort of like, let's take a look at them, let's see what they can tell us, and let's go deeper into our own consciousness to see if there's a DNA memory that can be reawakened. And, you know, that to me is, is you know, phenomenal that, that, that you, you have come at it from this direction and that it's so explicit, that it's so absolute, that you can't deny it. You have to just look at it and say, wow, it's been there all along and we didn't pay attention to it. It certainly has, and, and, and I've doubted, using Egyptian star codes, which were then taken by uh, the Hebrews to, to create the Hebrew calendar, the ingredients of which they hid in the Dead Sea Scrolls that were hidden by the Knights Temple in Roslyn Chapel in Scotland, which I've also found. I've dated the Great Pyramid at 73,440 years of age. So mm-hmm. we are looking at messages that have been around for a long, long, long time for us to find. And it's, it's almost like a, t- a time capsule of knowledge, whereas in the modern day, you know, we tend to have this, this, this tube that we put in the ground for future generations to find. But the time capsule of knowledge in the ancient past was the Stonehenge, the pyramids, the, the heads of Easter Island, all of these ancient sites with a time capsule of knowledge that was, should we say, timed to be re-emerged now. And when you look at the mm-hmm. Egyptian star codes, it talks about 360-year cycles, which is where the Hebrew calendar uh, originates from. And they speak specifically about the 17th 360-year cycle. Now, the 17th 360-year cycle is when this, this ancient knowledge was set to re-emerge. The 17th 360-year cycle is now. So if you can imagine how privileged we are to be part of a generation that was chosen to be in receipt of the return of this knowledge, the second coming of the Christ, because we have been chosen as a generation, as the the keepers of this knowledge. So when archaeologists are looking into the ground, uh, digging in the ground deep for for all these these answers, they're not going to find them in the ground because that's not where they are. They are in stone. And even, even when you look at the word stone, it means father and son. When you look uh-huh. at the word son in Hebrew, it is ben or bena, which means to build. Now, the father is the knowledge of the mind. The heavenly father is the knowledge of heaven, the knowledge of the universe. So our father who art in heaven, in other words, our knowledge originates in the heavens. So when you look at the word stone, father and son, uh, it, it means that it, it is built with knowledge. But also the word son in Latin comes from sonic or resonate or resonance. So it means to build with sound. So when Uh you look at all the ancient monuments, they are sound amplifiers. Now, I I took a a group a little over a year ago to to the inner circle of Stonehenge. And one of our group made the stones reverberate and sing. And you are looking at sound chambers. So when you look at the word stone, and they're, and they're cut into squares because it is the, the square of truth, you are really looking at an ancient way of creating with sound, creating with divine mind. And these are all the kinds of messages that, that they're leaving us. And it, it doesn't stop there. The, the messages are 
pretty endless. You know, it's, it's just a case uh-huh. of having to sit down, having to work them out, and just just acknowledging and put your mind in, in put, put your mind into the mind of the mystics who knew things and understood things in a unique way. And when you do uh-huh. that, and when you go into the mind of the mystics, you too began to speak their language. And when you speak their language, you then understand their language. Well, you know, you speak of, of elders and mystics and, you know, ancients from the past, com- you know, coming forward in time. Um, you're talking, you, you know, we've, we've talked, of, I've talked about, you know, these, these wise masters, teachers that, that do tap into a generation every now and then to, to give messages. Who are these people? Are they, you know, really um, masters from the future, or, or are they extraterrestrials? What, where are these people coming from? Well, technically, we, we're all from, from different places in the universe, so none of us are really, uh, should we say, aboriginal to, to Earth. We, we, our DNA is programmed elsewhere. Our body is created by the explosion of a star in the Orion Nebula. So we're not, we just settled here. This is just where we are. So we, we technically, our essence is, is from elsewhere anyway. But a long, long, long time ago, there was a race of advanced humans called the Sons of God. And obviously, biblically, they, they shorten that to the Son of God. But it's the Sons of God who had the elongated skulls. And the elongated skulls basically tell us that they had a fully developed brain center which gave them additional and advanced spiritual capabilities and abilities. And they were able to use the forces of nature to work for them. So these monuments were not built by Hebrew slaves. They were built by the manipulation of the forces of nature. They lived consciously in the seventh plane of existence, which is the God plane, which is the divine plane. And as a result of that, they had direct contact with the creative force. So these are the, the, the kinds of people that we had a long, long time ago with the elongated skulls. And the reason that we find elongated skulls all over the world at sacred sites is because they spread out over the world. And everywhere that they docked and disembarked from their boats, they created these monuments and monoliths to insulate that advanced technology and to also leave coded messages as a legacy, as a silent witness of the knowledge and the wisdom that the world was, that once reigned the world. Now, when you look at the word Egypt, <clears throat> Egypt is not an Egyptian name. The word Kehemet is really Egypt. Now, when you look at the word Kehemet, it means knowledge and truth. So the K is knowledge, and the E M E T is truth. Now, when you look at how the Hebrews spell Emet, it is small e, a capital M, small e, small t. The M stands for Mem, which is water. It is Moses. <clears throat> it is Moses drawn from the water who was born in Egypt because Moses is centered within the word Kehemet. So all of these biblical, ancient Egyptian, Sumerian, Babylonian, uh, Moai, all of these different civilizations were the same people spread across the world. And what I've proven is that they were singing from the same hymn sheet, literally. They were talking uh-huh. about the same things. Mathematically, they were giving the precise locations of each other's monuments. And mathematically, in longitude and latitude coordinates, you have the likes of the face on Mars, which tells you precisely how to find Stonehenge. <clears throat> you have the Giza Plateau, 
that tells you how to find the pyramid, the five-sided pyramid on Sardinian City on Mars, and so on and so on. When you look at the, the lunar abaca on the moon, on the ocean of storms, and you look at the coordinates of where the six Egyptian obelisks are, when I've taken oh. the coordinates of them and put it on Earth, it is Egypt. <clears throat> wow. So, I, I, so, so these people who come in, do they come in um, at the end of every root race? Is this a cycle that's going on, or is this unique to our time frame and, and to our cycle? Well, what has happened, and again, the Great Pyramid is a calendar for this, uh-huh. is when, when the Bible talks about Adam and Eden, it's really talking about the fall of man as part of the sixth civilization. So uh-huh. this is now the sixth civilization, but it also talks about a seventh civilization who are the torchbearers, who are the, the carriers of knowledge. So when you see the likes of the Olympic flame, when you see the likes of the torch of the Statue of Liberty in New York, that is the torchbearers, the knowledge bearers of Earth, the seventh civilization, who are going to take over from the sixth civilization who are fallen. So when you look at Adam, it is Aleph Dam, which is the blood of the ox, which is all about sacrifice. When mm-hmm. we came from a celestial place and we came through the womb into a terrestrial place, the altar we sacrificed because we relinquished that for this. So we came here and we fell. And that really is the, the biblical Adam and, and that's the metaphor that it was talking about, the fall of man. So that is the, the, the womb, that is the altar, that is the, the holy grail that we must come through to come into this world. So the Garden of Eden, Eden, which means paradise, is the body. Now when you see a lot of ancient tools to transmit this secret information, such as tarot cards, such as dominoes, such as dice, and I'll just take the dice as an example. Uh-huh. When you get a, a, a dice, it has six faces, and there's obviously six sets of numbers, one to six. Each uh-huh. opposite number equals seven. So number seven is an invisible factor, which is really the key to, to the third dimensional world. But when you look at cipher, which is really a secret language where you replace letters for letters or letters for numbers or letters for symbols, each dice, when you add up the words one, two, three, four, five, and six, it equals 103. So when you have two dice, that is 206, which is the amount of bones in the human body. So paradise is a paradise. It is talking about the body as being Eden, the garden. And when, again talking biblically, when the, the virgin in mystic terms is someone who has cleared their soul of earthly dross in order to allow the divine seed to come in. Now the divine seed comes into the stable Now, what is meant by stable is planet Earth, which is basically an animalistic home. And it is an animalistic nature, which is the human race. So this divine seed has to come into the stable, the animalistic world, and it has to elevate itself and reconnect to its divine self through certain practices, through certain rituals, through certain initiations. And it also uses the energy of the Zodiac. So the reason that we are told that Christ was born in a stable in December is because that is the energy of Capricorn, which is the goat. 
So uh-huh. the goat is really symbolic of the divine child. That's why we call children kids, because of the goat. So we ah. have the goat. Now, 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 when you look at the, the battles between Christ and Satan, you realize that Satan is the law of matter, which is the body, which is money, which is the lust for power, which is materialistic things. That is Satan, the law of matter. God and Christ is the law of spirit. Now, divinity, our divine self, rules the body. Therefore, it is above the laws of matter. And this is really the, 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 the conflict between Satan and Christ. It is the divine self versus the material self. And which one will we elevate? So all of these, these sacred scriptures, per se, are telling us really about how to ascend, how to advance, but it's put in such a way that the information doesn't come cheaply. You have to work at it. You have to work it out. You have to sit there and work out the puzzle because when you do, then you realize what it is really saying and that is the self, the divine self and how to elevate and ascend your divine self. Yeah, it's <clears throat> it's phenomenal and, <clears throat> and when you when you do look about the stories and, and the Bible, for instance, I mean, your code is there, but, but you know, we are the universe. You know, it is telling us about, about ourself, not about other people or other <clears throat> situations. It's telling about our journey in, in, ascension, in ascension and, and, you know, embracing the spiritual realms, the, 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 the higher consciousness. Um, and, and it makes great sense uh, because, you know, I've often wondered, you know, in, the Bible is, is a wonderful book, but what's its purpose? And then when you take your interpretation and put it into the Bible, it makes far more sense. You know, we, we all struggle with um, the material world in many ways, and the material world in many ways holds us back from a spiritual understanding. and application of the love and the compassion that spirit has and you know a a lot of the 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 parables um apply to inner struggles as opposed to outer struggles they're symbolic of things that we as spirits are transitioning and and embracing and getting um understanding from as we grow and evolve and and uh, reach out and and um, embrace our fellow man, now once and and when you look at organized religion, organized religion is apparently all of them are are built on the 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 um, the purpose of holding us in ignorance as opposed to leading us into um, wisdom. Th- that is correct, and that, and that is pers- well one of many reasons that this kind of divine wisdom has been hidden, so that you know the masses, the vulgar, the unsophisticated, the the uninitiated never hear the truth. So when when unity divides, and the word divinity means to divide, so to separate into mm-hmm. different parts, which is ourselves. When unity divides, we have what is what we understand to be duality. We have to have duality in order to have a perception, to have a, a, a reality, 
to have an understanding and to have a comparable. So when the creative force separated, because it was everything and nothing simultaneously, uh-huh. it created duality. Now, with duality, you have to have comparable halves. What I mean by that is, is one is manifest and one is unmanifest. And that is the only way that you can have that. So at the moment, let's just, let's just take this, this physical incarnation. At the moment, life is manifest and death is unmanifest. At some point, a death will become manifest and life will become unmanifest. And then at some point again, they will swap places and life will become manifest again, which is reincarnation. Now, we see this uh-huh. in the laws of nature every year. When we just look at a tree, when the leaves die, when the leaves grow, when the leaves die, when the leaves grow, it is reincarnation. And therefore, because we are divinity, we are divided into separate parts, which is fragments of, of the one, fragments of unity, then we are all divine. We all have divine rights and no system should ever be able to take that away from us because we are all divinity, uh, divinity per se. But we do live in a system that tries to keep us going further and further and further into matter with daily struggles, with, with debts, with all of this, this, this system because the further you take people into matter, the further you take them into satanic consciousness, the further you take them into just an absolute reality that bears no resemblance to real reality because people just see they they are born, they work, they pay their tax, they die, and that is the end. And that is really what religions are telling people. That is really what the system is telling people because it's taking them further and further and further into matter so that they can never really understand what they truly are. And when people understand that they're divine, when people understand that they don't need to, to worry about Satan and the law of matter because we are more than just matter. You know, we are many, many different compositive parts. And when you realize that, nothing can hold you down, nothing can hold you back. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's, that's one of the, the big messages for the time. I mean, and, and as, especially from, from the Emerald Tablets, you know, as above, so below. You know, as there's a universe out there, there's a universe within us that mirrors it. And and it, it's something that, that so many people just don't get. And I think that that's a great deal of it has to do with um, major religions telling us, no, 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 you know, there are those that are above you and that those that will rule you and that will make choices for you and that you can you can appeal to and they will change your life course or whatever and and the reality is that we have the power to do that i mean in the physical sometimes hard sometimes difficult to work at but but definitely there but but the messages appear to be all over the place and you know i was fascinated especially when you you mentioned the nazca lines you know how how are they giving us insight into I, I know that some of them are are um <clears throat> mandela type forms that that have great meaning because, you know i've done mandela so i understand the meaning in those but how do the nazca lines um apply to this well it's the same with any advanced symbolic language which is what it really is now it's the same as crop circles which contain diatonic ratios which are basically sound waves of, of information so if you imagine a double sound wave 
and you imagine that something has actually impregnated letters and words inside those sound waves to be extracted uh-huh. into a language of understanding. That is the same with the Nazca lines. When you look at the likes of hieroglyphs, when you touch a hieroglyph, you will get a download. When oh, yeah. we had in, in, in the UK, we had an incident in the 1980s called Rendlesham Forest, and it was where there was an American Air, ba- Air Force base in, in the UK. And mm-hmm. on two nights running, they, they were visited by a craft, which obviously you know, everyone denied, because they always do. But yeah. when, when, when one of the American airmen touched some kind of symbolic language on the, the, the spaceship on the craft, he had an automatic binary code download which in the 1980s yeah. binary code was not, re- not, was not really understood. Now, part of that message was evaluation of humanity. So yeah. these, these things are advanced languages. They're, they're not just nice things to look at, you know, and, and Nazca's the same, crop circles are the same, hier- hieroglyphs are the same, cuneiform is the same. All of these, often, even the likes of the Hebrew alphabet, which is very, very picturesque as well, it, it, it's, it's all... It's all advanced symbolic language, so that is what it is conveying. It is conveying a message, and again, some people can can see that message. Some people can get downloads of that message, and other people wouldn't see anything other than pretty pictures. But that is that is the the the, the beauty really of advanced symbolic language because it only penetrates at the level that you're ready to to receive. I know the airmen kept that binary code um, secret. They the um, the authorities didn't ask to see his notebook, so he was able to preserve it. And I think it was decades later that someone said that's binary code and it can be interpreted. So, um, yeah, that was fascinating. That was really fast. I I had him on the show, and he was a fascinating man to talk to. Um, so, so you 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 talk about the pyramids being. Um, they aren't just big structures. They certainly weren't meant to be tombs. So what was the purpose of them, according to this? Well, the, the, the same with anything. That there are several purposes. Uh, uh-huh. One of them is really a silent witness, uh, a legacy to the knowledge and the wisdom that, that once ruled Earth. And it's also basically a, a database of of advanced knowledge with advanced technology that's hidden inside certain chambers which if you wish to get to you have to have the correct word set at the, the correct tone at the correct time and then when you do do that you will see that certain stones move and they give you access to underground chambers which contain lots and lots of information about the history of humanity about star travel about how the how they were visited by star travellers, how they, they visited the, the stars themselves, how they did that with liquid light. So one of the purposes really is, is a legacy of, of advanced knowledge to aid the future generations of humanity which have been basically taken over by what they describe as the sons of men. Now the sons mm-hmm. of men are the ones who are still having power now you know, the, the lust for power, the lust for greed, the lust for money, the lust for control. That is the sons of men, and, and they are the ones who rule now. But what this is saying is at some point, that will change. But this, this kind of information is, is, is encrypted within the, the, the likes of the Great Pyramid, which is really the epicenter of all the other monuments on, on, on the planet. Another reason for them is, is 
they tell us of the god mind. So when you look at when you when you put a, an overlay of a human head over the Great Pyramid, which I've done facing north, you will see that the likes of the Queen's Chamber and the likes of the King's Chamber correlate to the pituitary and the pineal gland, which are the seat of consciousness. So it is telling us about the Father, the mind that connects to the Heavenly Father. So our Father, who art in heaven, which is really talking about heavenly universal knowledge mm-hmm. that has been anchored and brought down into the third dimensional world. So it's really using matter to anchor down divine knowledge on earth as it is in heaven. And that's what they were doing. They were, they were technically walking gods or the, the walking god-man who were in connection to the creative force. So that was another reason for them. And then you also have the likes of uh, uh, teleportation. So there, there were portals to other monuments. There were portals to other planets and vice versa. They were an epicenter of, of, of the amplification of the planet energy, which they were able to connect to other, shall we say, planetary grids and, and other monuments on Earth to act as a gigantic energy grid. But it was all sort of kept quiet. It was all shut down when, when the, the sons of God began to lose their power. So we had a, a spiritually advanced race, which was replaced by a materialistic race who, yes, te- technologically, we are becoming more and more advanced, but spiritually, we are not. And that really is the difference. So the, the, there's, there's many, many different reasons for these monuments. Now, when you look at the, the creator, the unity, the, 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 the creative force, when it recognizes itself in the third dimension, it manifests as a triangle. Now, the triangle is one becomes three, three becomes one, which is the trinity. Now, when you get the triangle and you make it into a third dimensional shape, it becomes the pyramid. So the pyramid is the four faces of God. Now, when you, again, as I mentioned about stone, meaning father and son and built with wisdom and sound, when you look at the, the biblical, the cornerstone, the cornerstone usually always faced northeast, and the reason it faced northeast is because it is then in between dark and light. And every one of us each day has the choice. And then you can go back into binary code because binary code really is two choices. Do we or don't we? Yes, no, left, right, good over evil. That is binary code. That is binary choice. So, you, you know, you can get the, the Masonic checkered flooring or you can get the cornerstone that the builders rejected which is a stone that, that faces between north and east, between dark and light. We have this wonderful library, this wonderful catalogue of, of, of advanced knowledge that millions of people each year go and visit, but they have not one single iota of a clue as to what it's telling them because they are told that it's just a burial for a pharaoh, which it isn't. I know, no. Um, this, this always bothered me, but, you know, and, and, and the reality that that according to their dating process, the Egyptians that built it used copper tools, which it couldn't possibly have been, and and yet that's what they teach in school, and and a bit a bit disturbing for sure. Um, you mentioned the Trinity. Um, the Trinity, according to you, is what? 
the the Trinity is is the cause and effect of, of universal creation. So what you have is 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 a cause, and that cause will create an effect, and that effect mm-hmm. is duality. So the further and further you get away from the original cause, you then are only able to see the effects, which then becomes an absolute reality, which is a dualistic reality. The Trinity really is 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 the universal cause and effect. When you start looking at the the, the triangle, which is the, a sacred shape, you then start looking at the recognizer, the recognition, and the recognized, which is really the creative force recognizes itself within third-dimensional creation. Now, when that when that creative force goes beyond dimensions, goes beyond time and space, it manifests as the number four which then takes us into the square of truth, which is why many of the stones of the likes of the Great Pyramid were square cubes, because it is mm-hmm. the square of truth. So we have geometry, you know, when, when we look at the likes of the Seal of Solomon, which is a, a harmonic key to the Great Pyramid, which then be, later became the Star of David. When you look at Christ as, as the, the numbers 37 and 73, when you get two triangles of 37 dots in the, the hexagon and, and 73 dots in the hexagram, you get the start of David, which is really uh, the, the, the portal of worlds and, and, and all kinds of things. So geometry is intrinsic in creation. And there's always geometry within geometry, which is mathematics, which is sonics, which is just a wonderful, should we say, spider's web of, of, of creation. And these monoliths and monuments, these ancient scriptures are pertaining to that, but they're hiding that. And we have this wonderful database of knowledge of who we are, our, our complete blueprint, which has been encrypted within these you know, tetrahedrons uh, in the desert. Yeah, I, I think that's one of the important things for, um, for all, all humans to, to acknowledge or to understand um, our DNA actually, if taken back to the original DNA, because it has mutated over time, um, it turns out to be twice as old as the Earth that we're on. So obviously we came from somewhere else. And that's something that, that humanity, um, I think they, they think that we are just isolated here on this one planet. And humanity is is so much more than that there's you know our the the ancient the antiquity that is within our dna goes back to twice as old as the earth i and and for somebody to grasp that it's like if it's twice as old as the earth where did we come from um and and why are we here i mean is there's got to be a purpose that our spirits are incarnating on this planet at this time in this form and are we here to learn to transcend the humanity, the physical? Are we here to expand consciousness on a different, in a different way or a different vibrancy? Why, why are our spirits on this planet at this time? Yeah. Well, the, this, how, how we are at this moment in time is, is our chosen expression. So... There's all of these different dimensions, all of these different star systems, and, and this is the chosen expression for us. When you look at some of these secret, concealed tablets inside the likes of the Great Pyramid, 
they speak of Earth almost being a prison. And they speak of certain individuals of of other races having to come here to serve a sentence of sort. And in order to, shall we say, please the parole board and, and, and escape the prison, you have to spiritually advance. Not only do you have to spiritually advance, you also have to help others to spiritually advance while you're here. So the, the train of thought there is that this is the kind of prison that we must, should we say, graduate from. And the way in which we graduate is by personal advancement. So all of these initiations, in, in the past, initiations were done in the secret halls of the temples. These days, initiation is done in the trials and tribulations and the challenges of life. When I look back at certain crossroads of my life and I look at the decisions that I've made, and I've looked at the format of, of ancient initiations, they are comparable. And a lot of people are being initiated in the crossroad decisions of their life. That, that is their modern-day initiation. Initiation is really what it boils down to is expanding your body's capability, and that is your nerve endings and different things, your body's capability to accept and receive higher frequency of divine wisdom and knowledge and until you expand your body to accept that uh, greater influx you will not receive that greater influx if you just imagine that you're now just about to plug in you know a tv or something else and and the electrical wire is faulty and and the wires are not connected then you're going to blow the circuit but that's what will happen to the body if you are not ready for these higher frequencies and many people have died during ancient initiations because they were not ready for the higher influx of energy. So really, we are here to learn. We are here to advance. We are here to graduate. And we are here to escape the prison. And that really is, 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 is a multi, multi-fold answer. But in reality, it is, a, it is a planet of initiation that gives us the opportunity and it gives us some kind of resistance to grow and get stronger. If I was to go to a weightlifting gym, you know, I, I advance my muscles, I make my muscles stronger by having some kind of weight as a resistance. When we come on this planet, we have the dark side of the duality that gives us that resistance, that gives us that, that means of, of, of creating strength, inner strength. And it's, it, there's so much knowledge and, and, and everything that has been left for us, you know, the, the, there's, there's, there's books in, in stone form, in stone oracle form, all over the planet, where we can just go uh-huh. to the library and we can download that information. So all the tools are here for us to do that. First of all, we need to realize that there are tools, that there are libraries, why we're here, who we are. Now, when you look at the biblical, the sons of God and the daughters of men, that comes back from a time where these elongated, advanced spiritual humans realized that the sons of men were going to take over the planetary power and in order to create a genetic line for them to incarnate during future generations they procreated with the daughters of men now when one of these sons of god reincarnate into this third dimensional world they basically have to develop again they have to start again so when some of your views will, will, will relate to this, when you are 
you feel like you're trapped in your body. You feel like you don't resonate with the planet. You feel like you don't belong here. You feel like you, you are socially inept. You feel like, you know, you are a leper of kind because you, you have different interests to most of your your social network. And that is because you are feeling what is true. You have come back here. You have reincarnated here to help humanity. Now, a lot of extraterrestrial races... And you'll, you'll not get many people within the UFO community say this, but many extraterrestrial races are advanced spiritual humans who have basically graduated, but have, they have come back to help us. I'll buy that. That makes great sense. I, I know that often I have said to people that Earth is quarantined from the rest of the universe because we aren't ready and that we are far too um, violent to be a part of a divine and, and a divine organization of any sort, not even organization. And I think that, that where most people trip up with this is that when you say divine, they think religious, and it's not religious, it's divine. There's a difference. And... Um, Religions have different ways of defining divine and then utilizing that definition to control people. And divine doesn't control. So, and that's that's just my opinion. <laughs> no, and, it, and it's a valid one. As I say, divine means divide. And divide means to separate into different parts. So when, should we say, the, should we say the, the original fire began to shoot off embers. In other words, it, it divided into separate parts, and we are those separate parts. So we are all divine by definition. When you say to somebody, you know, what is divinity? They will say, oh, it's a saint, it, it's Jesus. It, it, no, it, it, it means to divide, which means to separate from, from the one. And we are all divine by that, that means. Yeah, you've got, you've got an amazing message here. I, and and I would imagine that there are, are people out there now who are ready to hear your explanation because, you know, you would have been burned at the stake quite a while ago. So you know, good thing you waited to come back now. Um, the other thing that, that fascinated me was Atlantis and Lemuria. Um, you You... You go in in depth in, into the fact that they are in the head, not in the physical. Want to explain that? <clears throat> yeah, it, I mean, it is, it is my belief based on when I first started researching, getting downloads, and started to get ideas and answers and questions and answers coming to my head at the same time. I began to realise that all of these ancient civilizations that I originally believed were, were separate entities were not. They were all the same, the same thing, the same with all the world religions. It's really the same thing. It's the same tree, but it has multiple branches. So when I started looking into Atlantis and Lemuria, you know, a lot of a lot of my information sometimes has very few friends because it really does go against, you know, it goes, it goes against the mainstream, it goes against the New Age, it goes against UFO community, it goes against truth groups. So it really is a, a very small sort of platform that 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 I'm that I'm isolated within, but. When, when you actually look at Atlantis and you start looking at it with some kind of critical thought, then you start to realize that 
Atlantis and Lemuria is a state of mind, not a place. And I'm not suggesting for one moment that there aren't underground cities. Of course, there are. You know, the the the, the geography of uh-huh. the of the world and the demographics of the world has changed. But Atlantis and Lemuria is a state of mind. Now, when you look at the the human spine, which is really the Christian fish, because fish and spine in Egyptian is semek, it's the same word. The spine uh-huh. is the highway to your Golgotha, to your skull, to your your place of consciousness. And there are 33 vertebrae of the spine. That is why the number 33 is, is, is highly significant throughout the mystic world. But there are 33 uh-huh. vertebrae. The final and 33rd vertebrae of the human spine is medically called Atlas. Now, Atlantis means uh-huh. the island of Atlas. So what you are talking about is the island that is at the top of the spine, which is Galgotha, the place of skulls, which is the mind. So when you look at the pineal gland, you will see that it is surrounded by cerebral spinal fluid. So in other words, it is an island. Now Plato described Atlantis as the island that ruled seven islands. What he's talking about is the pineal gland, which is an island, which is the master gland, and it rules the seven chakras. Uh What we have is a state of mind, not a place. Now, when you look at the, the reactivation of the likes of Atlantean crystals, between the pineal gland and the pituitary gland in the human brain, there is a crystalline region called the Crystal Palace. That is the, the crystal of Atlantis and Lemuria. Now, when you look at Lemuria, the word mu goes all the way back to water and the serpent. It also states in documentation that there were snake men, serpent people walking around on the land of Lemuria. So what does that really mean? It means that the, the advanced spiritual races went through some kind of metamorphosis because a snake goes through a metamorphosis when it sheds its skin, etc. And that is seen as uh-huh. a rebirth, a new life. So Lemuria, the walking snake people, is talking about the metamorphosis within and Atlantis is a state of mind not a place. Now, when you talk about the power of, of the mind and how the ancients were trying to, to transit that information to us, when you go to the edge of Easter Island, which has been measured several to- mentioned several times, why is it that you can only ever see the, the heads of Easter Island, the statues? Because they were telling us to not concentrate on a body of senses, but instead to concentrate on a divine mind. That is why you can only see the heads Easter Island, when you look at the cross, the Christian cross, or the Ankh of Egypt, the cross is the body, man or woman with their arms outstretched. Now, when you look at the, the, the region on the cross between the horizontal bar and the top of the cross, or in human body terms, from the shoulders to the top of the head, that is the fourth way. That is Father who heart in heaven. So when you look at the Egyptian Ankh, you see the person and you see a head which is empty. The empty head is basically the creative void, the perfect enlightenment. So when you have an empty mind, you are able to accept and receive this ancient advanced knowledge. Now in the biblical story of the nativity play, when they went to the inn and the inn was full, it represents a mind that is full, that is not able to take and absorb this advanced divine knowledge. 
it is all there uh-huh. for us to work out. But Atlantis really is is a state of mind. It is a higher state of mind, not a place. Oh, I love it. That's that's a fabulous way to explain it. Um, in 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 your book, you mentioned tons of different ancient sites, and the one that you that that and I may have missed it. Um, I think you spoke briefly of Gobekli Tepe. Um, is that another one of these sites that that was um, buried in our consciousness until we were time to, until it was time for us to to find that wisdom and knowledge within? They they all are, and again that they they all speak of the same thing in in different ways. It, it, it's the same as. You know, in the in the east, someone may say crimson. In the west, someone may say red. But nevertheless, they're, they're mm-hmm. describing the same thing in different ways. And Gobletaki, which is really the the pot belly, the the belly, which is again the the area of the navel, which is is important because it, it it's the centre of divine energy and earth energy where it meets around the navel. So that, again, they they are telling you the, the same thing. And, and some of the the carvings on the stones of uh, Gobletaki, like the vulture. Like the, like the scorpion, is what you find in, in other ancient sites. Uh, the, the vulture, really, one vulture represents the, the pineal gland, three vultures represents the, the belt of Orion. Now, when, when I mentioned uh, Christ having a numerical value of 37, in the Orion Nebula, just, just to the left as you look at the main Orion, there is a cluster of stars called the 37 cluster, because it, it gives you the shape of, of the 37. So, we again we have a you know this 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 earthly uh, worldwide correlation to to Orion and Orion's belt and different things, but they're all telling us the same thing in, in different ways. Quetzalcoatl, what is Quetzalcoatl? Well, it's it's the Kulkukan, the, the which is basically the serpent to the base of the spine, which is talking about the the power of the mother, which is Kundalini. That then takes you into Mother Mary, which is the Kundalini, which is lifted by the Isles by the Anointed One that takes you through the chakras of the body, up Jacob's ladder, which is the spine, into the mind, where by the pineal gland you have a, a region called the vault. Now, when you look, when, when you look at, a, at the meaning of a vault, it is a tomb, it is a grave. So this, this Christ aisle, the anointed one, the, the spinal fluid that is pushed up by the Mother Mary, and Joseph just means to increase. So this is, this is pushed up through the solar plexus, the sun energy, into the mind, into the vault, into the tomb, so when you awaken this serpent power within us, then you basically have Easter and the resurrection of Christ within your own mind, within Golgotha. <clears throat> now, the only energy that, that can enter through the pillars of Hercules, which is the anterior pillars of the brain, is an energy called the four Amen. F-O-R-A-M-E-N, four Amen, forever and ever Amen. And the word Amen relates to the number 33. So we are talking... Uh, and, and, and all of these terms, all of these things can actually be confirmed in Gray's Medical Dictionary because they, they recognize this and, and, and named all this as well. <clears throat> so it, it is all there for us to find. It is all there for to, to piece together. But every single ancient site, every single religious scripture of any of the religious books is talking about the ascension of self, the, the divine self, and how to ascend that divine self out of the grips of the laws of matter. <clears throat> terribly, terribly profound. I I think one of um one of the, the parts of your book that I just um 
that I was amazed by. Um, you speak of the great flood. Well, you speak of, the Bible speaks of the flood. And many cultures speak of the flood. And when you investigated it, you found absolutely no relevance to it. So, what I mean, you went into the different cultures that were, you know, that, that have records that go back to that time frame, and, and a flood is not mentioned at all. And so what what is the flood symbolic of? Well, the... the the, the true Noah's Ark is the Great Pyramid of Egypt. Now, when you look at the, the Dead Sea Scrolls, it tells you that the, that the Ark is pyramid-shaped. It is the Great Pyramid. Now, when you start looking at what is Noah, well, Noah relates to the seven. Now, the seven are the chakras. So Noah mm-hmm. is the completion of the seven chakras, and that is why we have a rainbow above the Ark, because that relates to the colors of the seven chakras. So, so Noah is, is really that. So Noah's Ark is the Great Pyramid, which again is is, is how the initiates uh, purified and, and actually went through the different chakras. So when you again when you start looking at the ancient texts and you start looking at the the ancient texts that have been found inside the likes of the Great Pyramid, Noah's Ark, you see that these sons of God realised that the sons of men were, were using technology that, that was to the detriment of, of the environment and to the planet. And what they did is, is they escaped on boats and they took their domestic pets, they took their families with them, and they sailed to different parts of the world, which is why you have Stonehenge, Gobletecki, all of these different places is because that's where they disembarked from their boats and created sacred sites of information. Now, what, this, what these, these sons of God, these sons of men, materialistic lust for power races were doing was creating environmental conditions that did actually create water to come down from the sky. That is now my understanding of what is related to with the flood. Now, as I say in the book, you know, there's many, many races that were around during the time of the so-called biblical flood who were not affected by it. They didn't even mention it in their in their legacy. So it, it uh-huh. seemed to be a very, very concentrated area, which is what we now know as, as, as the likes of Egypt and places such as that. So that, that is my understanding of what the biblical flood is talking about. And again, you know, it, it, the Bible mentions the fallen, you know, the fallen angels coming down with the daughters of men and, and all this kind of thing, which correlates with this ancient Egyptian story of the sons of God and the sons of men and and the grapple and the exchange of power uh, on on the planet. So that is now my understanding of what, what the flood really was. It, it wasn't as we believe it to be, you know, the the animals went in two by two, that, that didn't happen, that, that couldn't happen. Uh, Noah's wooden boat, that didn't happen. It's it's the Great Pyramid. And it's the Great Pyramid which is the arcane arcane knowledge, the arc the arcane knowledge that is kept from the masses and he's kept for the few. And that really is now is my most updated understanding of what we are talking about in the flood. Because again, as I said previously, everything that is now diluted as a Christian Bible comes from the oracle in stone, which is the Giza platter. Yeah, I think that uh, most people don't realize that, that most of our biblical stories and, and fables and parables, all of it, come from Egypt. Egypt seems to have been the source of um, 
or the inspiration to a lot of the writings that happen afterwards. And uh, I just, uh, I, I think it's amazing that, especially the Great Pyramid, because I know that there, there are um, mentions that there are chambers beneath it. There are mentions that there are tunnels beneath it, and yet, and, and yet Egypt won't let anybody dig there for fear of uh, destabilizing the Great Pyramid, which is, I believe, built on solid rock. So that doesn't make much sense to me, but um, it it seems that 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 there are there are whispers of wisdom that is out there that that people are are not allowing other people to find. I, I mean, the Hall of Records. The Hall of Records for me has always been inside us. It's not in a chamber someplace, but it it seems that. There, there is definitely a, a conspiracy to keep us uninformed. And yet, you know, people like you and there are others out there that are bringing forward information that, that, that absolutely conflicts with the history we've been given to this point in time. And it, it's, it makes one wonder... Are the major religions afraid that they will lose their power and their influence, or can't they blend into it and become a part of a great awakening? They, they certainly are frightened, because if you imagine that their foundations are built upon sand, which means that it's very, very rocky. It, it has no foundation, really. And you know the, the, the winds of, of critical thought can sweep them away. So they are certainly scared of, of people understanding. If, if you wish to control people and wish to control their minds and control their bodies and control their life, the last thing that you need them to know is how sovereign and how powerful and how divine they are. Because then you have no control over somebody who who, who knows their own power. Now when you look at, again, yes, the, the, the Bible is, is all Egyptian. And even down to Jesus came from the, the, the tribe of the Lion of Judah. Well, the Lion of Judah, Judah means lion. But that is the Sphinx of Egypt. Which, which is really, the Sphinx of Egypt is, the, the riddle of the Sphinx is man. The riddle of the Sphinx is man's potential. And that is what the Sphinx is telling us. Now, the Pharaoh and the sons of God were symbolized by the lion. So that is why we have a, 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 a giant lion, because that is who it represents. It represents the rulers of earth who ruled by knowledge and by wisdom. You know the, the the builders of of these sacred monuments by the, uh -huh. the control of the forces of nature. So the Sphinx is really man's potential, and and it tells you that 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 is the riddle of the Sphinx. Now, when you look at the face, a face is really an outer expression of of, of what is happening inside. So when you uh -huh. are transmuting inside, then that shows in the face. Now, in the face of the Sphinx, you have the lovely cobra head, which is really talking about the brighthood, you know, the Robin Hood of, of folklore, but it is the brighthood, it is the illumination again of, of the mind. So when you look at the word conspiracy or the word expire, aspire, spire, conspire, it may, conspire means to breathe together. So we're now talking about the Holy Spirit. Now, when you go into the deep mystical meanings, when man understands the mysteries of God, then God breathes his spirit into those people. That is why the Sphinx has no nose, because he doesn't need a nose, because God is breathing in 
is spirit mm-hmm. into the body. And so conspiracy is to breathe together, simply put. Now, when you look at my view on things, is, is there, are, there are two sides of silence, which is positive and negative. The negative side of silence is to remain silent, is to say nothing. The positive side of silence is to speak and to give people an alternative reality. And that is where I come from. Now, when I was at school and and I was told by my teachers that Christopher Columbus found the Americas, well, Christopher Columbus did not find the Americas. It was the Sinclair family and the the Knights Templars that have actually encrypted that in the architecture of Roslyn Chapel six years before Columbus even set sail. When, when people tell me and tell me at school that Neil Armstrong was the first person on the moon, he wasn't because there's Egyptian obelisks on the moon. So history is really a, a version of events that a group of people have said, this is what we want people to believe. This is, this is the, the, the reality that we want people to understand. And when you actually say things that are, that are against that reality, not only does it upset those people who want to keep it from you, but it also upsets the people who are plugged into the so-called matrix, which is the mind. Because now they have this information, they have to take responsibility of some kind. So, as I said, you know, 20, 30 minutes ago, that, that sometimes my information has very few friends, but nevertheless, when I find evidence, then I report and, and, and produce that evidence. And that's exactly what I did in, in many courtrooms throughout the UK, in front of judges, in front of attorneys, in front of lots and lots of people who were grilling me for days because of the evidence that I'd found. But the evidence is the evidence. It speaks for itself. Absolutely. And I think that's what's so wonderful about your material and, and what you put forth in um, you, your book, you know, Alchemy of the Gods, because... Um, you know, it isn't just a philosophy that you pulled out of the air. It's it's a philosophy that is based on hardcore facts. So that it would seem to me that that they would be able to. Um, well, let me put it this way: they probably understand it, whether or not they acknowledge it or not. It's a whole other it's a whole other story. But um, I think that that what fascinated me the mo- I mean, so much of it, your book fascinated me. But one of the things that, that fascinated me the most was was your explanation of Jesus and how he didn't ex- he really didn't exist, but he does exist in in each and every one of us. And you know, if you go into that, that would that would re- really be exciting. Yeah, of course. I mean, J- Jesus really uh, is symbolic of God in flesh, and mm-hmm. God in flesh is really those of a divine consciousness, of a divine mind. Now, by that I mean they have a higher mind, they have a higher awareness, they, they realize that there's more beyond matter, there's more beyond human humanity, there's more beyond earth, there's more beyond the horizon, the Elohim. There's more beyond all of these things. So Jesus really was God in flesh. Now, when you look at... People have accused me so many times of, of, of denying the existence of Christ and denying the existence of God. And what I've said to them is... I'm not denying the existence of anything. I'm just saying that it is different to what you've been told to believe. Uh-huh. When, when, you look at, when you look at the, the, the creation, the universe, it can lead you to no other conclusion that it is a design. Now, any design has to have a designer, and that, for me, is God, even though I don't like the word God because that has sort of religious uh, 
part of that, and, and, and I don't like that. But, but for want of a better phrase, and I, then I use God. So Christ is really, in the English alphabet, is the QRST, which is hidden within the English alphabet. That is, that is Christ. Now, when you look at Christ in Egyptian, it means burial. So when someone says to you, Merry Christmas, they are really saying pyramid burial, is what they're, they're really saying. So Christ, if you imagine anatomically, we have this, this Mother Mary, we have this, this, this feminine power, which is the serpent, which, which is called Kundalini. Now that Kundalini is at the base of Jacob's ladder, which is your spine. Now when that is activated, and there's certain ways in which to activate it, that serpent rises. It goes through the different chakras. You know, the, the, the first two is Sodom and Gomorrah, which it destroys by fire because it is the, a chemical fire, which is a spiritual fire, which is a, a higher vibrational fire than physical fire. This goes up your spine through your chakras. And it takes the solar energy from the solar plexus. And it is risen by the isle of the spine. Now, isle is the anointed. It is the anointed one. It takes it all up the body until it reaches, as I said before, the vault which is really the, the, the tomb of this Christ seed. Now, it gets resurrected, and we have Easter with inside the mind. So Christ, in essence, is, is, is the God in flesh, and the God in flesh are the people who have awakened, who have gone through this, this Christ awakening. Every single one of us is Christ potential. Every one of us is a sleeping Christ. Because when we awaken ourselves, we become the God in flesh. We, we become the Godhead. We become the God consciousness. We connect the Father to the Heavenly Father, which is the knowledge of the mind, to the knowledge of the universe. That is what Jesus is. Jesus was never an individual man that walked Nazareth or walked the Middle East. And the hierarchy of the church know that but you know when you have the likes of lee the pope leo the 10th saying it has served as well this myth of christ they realize mm -hmm. that it because the whole foundation of the church is upon the resurrection of jesus without the resurrection of jesus there is no church so they right. will fight tooth and nail they will fight tooth and nail to stop you realizing when you look at the shroud of turin that is most likely, by date, by description, Jacques de Molay, who was a Grand Master of the Knights Templar. So what the Vatican is not telling you, because they tell you that they have the, the authority from Christ through St. Peter, Petros, the rock, the foundation upon which the church is built. But what they don't tell you is that the Knights Templar were the priests of the Temple of Yahweh, which is Jewish mysticism. And they, they, the Knights Templar, the Grand Master of the Knights Templar, had the key of this knowledge. It is the, so the Knights Templar were the foundations or the foundation stone of the Church, not Saint Peter, not the Pope. So when they executed Jacques de Molay, they would have executed him in the way in which he denied that Christ was executed. 
Now, even the Vatican have said that the Shroud of Turin is not Christ, it is someone that reminds us of him. They are not going to tell you who the true identity is, because then they have to answer why they executed Jacques de Molay. And the answer to that is, it changed the line of authority of this metaphor, Christ. And in, in, in the new book that I'm, that I'm bringing out, I actually go into to the science of how you have oxygen, uh, excited oxygen particles that would have created the, the photographic image of, of what is on the Shroud of Turin, and then I go into the science of that. But in essence, there's a lot to hide, and, and Christ is the most famous character in the world. So uh-huh. to maintain this illusion, they have to maintain this character that is Christ. But I've found that it is not a walking person. It is the sleeping potential in each and every one of us. That makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, in, in my philosophy, that we all have a seed of the infinite within us, which would be the unawakened Christ, which makes perfect sense. And that uh, trying to evolve it, trying to expand it into a greater manifestation within our lives, you almost have to walk away from an organized religion into an understanding of, of the spirit within and its journey through time. And in, in awakening that consciousness allows you to become more aware of so much else there is you know they talk about the different dimensions and and stuff like that and and i think that that ascends you into another dimension of understanding of a soul's journey uh this you know your your book is it it, it you, what you do is you make people think you know if this then that and and it does it does shift and change people's focus as to where they see the evolution of a spirit going. And what I love is you don't tell them where, you, where they're going, but you do tell them that with that awareness they can see a new direction, which is really quite profound. It is, and it, it's, again, it, it, it gives people that binary, binary choice, the, the computer binary choice of, of the, the, you know, you, you've been brought up saying there's just one direction, but now there's two. And it's, it's your choice where you go. So when you look at, again, when you look at creation, that is the, the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The good and evil is the, is the dualistic opposites. So when we split up, we become, you know, the good and evil. But when we become unified again, then we are permitted to eat from the apple of the tree of good, of good and evil. So when you see the likes of the Apple logo, the Apple Corporation logo, and it has a bite mark out of it, that is telling you of a the, the union of the two opposites of self, which then returns you to divinity, which returns you to the authority to eat from the tree of good and evil, knowledge of good and evil. And that, that again brings in, in into things biblically. But we are all striving to become unionized. Now, when we get married physically, that is really the, the longing to find your complementary half. Because as I say, mm-hmm. when, when we come here, there's always a manifest, a seen, but in simultaneous existence, there is always an unseen, unmanifest. And that is how duality has to work. That is how the, 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 the universe works. When you look at what, what the creative force is, 
the creative force is nothing and the creative force is everything in simultaneous existence. So in order for nothing to know everything, it has to experience in order to become nothing again, which contains everything. And the experience is the fragmented part, which is divinity, which is each and every one of us. So we are all the embers of the original divine fire. And once that divine fire reignites, where do we go? Well, we we can go back to different levels of of the same journey. It's a continuous journey. We, as I say, a lot of souls will will go to different star systems because they're no longer compatible with the frequency of Earth. Even our DNA is compatible with the frequency of our planet of birth. So when we raise ourselves, when we, when we no longer exist within the, the rules of the laws of matter, we are not compatible with Earth's resonance. So therefore, we go to different places to continue with the journey at a higher frequency. That is what I said about many extraterrestrial races that are coming back to help us are advanced spiritual humans that have already gone through high school, which is Earth, and they're, they're coming back to help us to graduate. So we go to different places to continue the journey, or we don't. So we we move from here. And now if you imagine, again, going back to what I said about, just imagine for one moment that Earth is a prison, and the only way that you are going to be paroled from prison is when you spiritually advance yourself. So if you never spiritually advance yourself you are forever going to be recalled to prison. When you do spiritually advance yourself, you will get parole and you will leave. Well, you spiritually advance and you you then become one of the mystics, one of the guidance, whatever. Or or are those master races, those, those mystics that are here to help us evolve, are they those that have... Do they? You, you mentioned that they reincarnate, but they have to start from scratch again. But you know, we don't escape this planet unless we are in spirit, because it's not our body that goes forward; it's our spirit that goes forward. So the that, oh, when, that's correct. When when so, you look so at the, the biblical, sorry. Yeah. Go, no, go ahead. I was going to say when, when you look at the the, the biblical phrase, we come from dust, we return to dust. Dust in Hebrew, which is the primary language of the Bible, means light. So Uh we come from light and we return to light. It is not talking about the dust as in the ground. So yes, the body body is a temporary vehicle, but the true essence, the self, Uh goes, it leaves the body upon the the, the physical, so-called physical death. When, when the physical body goes to the, the world below. So it is that spirit. Spirit means breath. It is that the, the, the breath of God being inhaled, being taken back. When that spirit of God exhales, we then get life again. So it is, it is the spirit that continues the journey, but it is a, it is a consciousness that remembers is, its experiences. And it takes those experiences with it, almost like the suitcase when you're going on vacation. You know, it, it is the, the various experiences that it has a recollection of. And it is, it is the spirit, it is the essence, which some people call soul, 
that moves on when the physical body expires. So, but what I think what we're now my my opinion, my my thought at this moment in time is that you know, we can certainly do astral travel so that we can leave the body and we can go other places on the earth plane. And and my thought is that that when when portals are crossed, it's the spirit that crosses, not the physicality. So, so it makes sense to me that that when when these these teachers, these ascended masters, whatever you want to call them, come into the earth plane to help to sort of nudge consciousness a little further, are these those masters of old, or are these new masters of old, or you know, who are these ancient wise people that seem to come in from time to time to help us to evolve and move our consciousness forward? Well, they are the, the advanced spiritual humans of old, you know, the likes of the sons of God that, that have created a genetic link to, to enable them to do that. And when, when they come back into a physical reality, they have to remember, they have to re-emerge with what they knew, their former self. So, yes, it, uh-huh. is, it is the spirit that, that transitions between the portals, between the dimensions. Uh, it is a physical body that is, that is within this third dimension. You can travel dimensions, you can travel time, remote viewing consciously. I've personally done that myself. Uh, uh-huh. But it is, it is the ancients, the likes of the sons of God, who are the wisdom keepers of old, that have decided and have chosen to come back at various points in history, even now, in order to re-emerge with the ancient knowledge that they once knew for it to be revealed through into this, this world now. And that is what has happened. And many people who are now doing this and, and passing this kind of message and saying these kind of things and, and re-emerging ancient knowledge, which was, as I said, was, was timed predominantly for now, that is what they are doing. They have come back to help, and they have come back to try and take humanity by the hand, and they're, they're trying to remove humanity from basically the the, the prison of ignorance. So when when Christ yeah. cures the blind, you know the blind is ignorance. Mhm. Well, so so that that would suggest that there there are physically on the earth plane at this time some of these entities but they don't walk around with sandals and you know long white sheets and and proclaim themselves they are subtly putting information out there as is appropriate to the time frame um they're they're in i, I think it was philip Lindsay's book that that there was going to be a gathering in at some point the gobi desert thousands and thousands and maybe millions of years ago was the center for spirituality on the planet according to him and that in 2024 there is going to be another convergence on the Gobi Desert of these highly enlightened beings to to take a look at humanity and see where we are and where we're going um, have you, do you have any knowledge of that or is that you know just somebody else's thought there are certainly, should we say, galactic councils as such that that do measure, uh, should we say, the, the, the advancement or not of, of humanity. I mean, it's quite clear that 
there are many people now within our race that are starting to get this. There are many people within our race that are starting to expand and broaden their minds to, to accept uh-huh. the greater knowledge. There are still too many that are not. But the same with anything, you know, when, when you want to measure how fast your child is growing in height, then you put a measuring uh, meter uh, thing on the wall and you say, you know, this week you are four foot 12, next week, you know, you are five foot two. And, and that is how you basically measure uh, the, the height progression. But uh, that is the same in consciousness. And my opinion is, is that the meter, the, the measurement of the meter, the consciousness, consciousness material is how they are measuring the consciousness of, of humanity. And of course, there's, there's a lot of eyes on us now. So in terms of would there be gatherings to see how far we've got? Yes, of course. You know, all parents want to see how their children are developing. And that, yeah. is, that is what is happening. And they, they, will have, they will have meetings at certain points in history to say, you know, are they getting it? Are they not getting it? And bearing in mind that a lot of people who have come back now, or a lot of souls, a lot of self-essence that have come back to help in these times, when you get to the likes of dream states and, and, and meditation states, you are actually sending information back to them anyway. Oh, and yeah. if, 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 you know, yeah. so, you know, you are reporting back, shall we say, to the boss. <laughs> and that is, that is, uh, that, that, that is another part of, of, of people coming here as a soul, coming into a physical body, but then remembering or having triggers, setting off triggers. And, and looking back at my awakening, it was clearly a trigger. It was clearly an, an, an alarm clock. So when you do that, you, you set an alarm clock for yourself to remember. And it's when you remember that you then start to activate the knowledge of old and you start to pass that knowledge on. But of course, as I say, you are also reporting back. And so that there's lots of information going about to and fro because it is quite clear that, that humanity as a race is thousands of years behind its intended original timeline, and that has mm-hmm. to change. Well, I know that the, uh, the soldier that touched the uh, hovercraft or whatever it was in Rendlesham Forest, part of the message... Um, that, that he got in in the binary code was that actually the the uh, the drone the drone because I, it was probably a drone of some type type that had come through a portal or or whatever but the part of the message was that it was for 800 years in the future which gives me hope because it 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 mean well maybe um, that that humanity is is not really on a, a track for self-destruction, though the times do seem to in, infer that um, that that could possibly happen. And, and it, it just... Go ahead. No, so no, those, those, the, the future really is when you're able to see cause and effect simultaneously. So, so technically, the future is still to be written, uh, although... Uh-huh you can have a roundabout guess at what's going to happen if you, you if you stop on on this particular path you can say well if you stop on this particular path then this is likely to happen but in terms of what i the, the, the things that i found inside the great pyramid would suggest that all indicates 
the re-emergence of the advanced human, shall we say, rulership again. And so that doesn't suggest that the world is, is going to end. It, it, it doesn't mean that it's going to change. And of course, oh, yeah. you know, people are, are going to experience this change in different ways. And what I, what I am noticing is, is a complete now, complete division, complete schism between those who are getting it and those who are not. And that to me is, is kind of going into the Egyptian writings that the seventh generation of, of, of knowledge bearers will take over from the six who are the fallen. So that, that suggests that we, we do continue, although you know there, there will be change, but that there will be the wise ones who will rule again one day. Yeah, I would, I would, you know, totally agree with you on that. It's just you look at the state of the world at this moment in time, and um, it's it's frightening. And you you think, holy mackerel, are we going to wipe ourselves out, or are you are we going to do something that will certainly cull the population down to a very few? And if that happens, are they going to be the ones that are already in control? Or, or is a kinder, gentler, more compassionate race going to evolve from it? And, and if we are indeed on the Earth a prison planet, and the only way out is through this kind of, of ascension of spirit and consciousness then basically is the earth going to remain a prison planet for spirits who are working through all of this um all of this process i would say yes because they have to have some kind of of, of springboard in, in which to, to to project and the the divine plan really is is the reemergence of divine knowledge and the, the 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 beings that will take that divine knowledge forward are already here. Uh, they're already in different frequencies. You know, there, there's many different realities around us in different frequencies. Mm-hmm. There, there's many there's many different, should we say, advanced beings here now in the skies and, and and walking the planet who are already here. There's many people now who are having these kind of conversations who are passing this information on to humanity who are preparing them for it. So the, the, the tools and the facets that are needed for that gigantic leap forward are already here in place. And But you have to, it, it's quite clear that unless something absolutely wondrous, some miracle happens on, on a large scale, that not all humanity are going to get this at the same time. So you have to have some kind of safety net in, in which to allow them to, to, to shall we say, ferment and to, to elevate themselves again. And, and sometimes that may take another several lives, uh, reincarnations, to do that, to, to, to reactivate. But you can also have planets and realities in the same place, but within different frequencies. So it, it could be a, even a case where some are in a different reality. I mean, reality really is just a construct of the mind. And right. the, 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 there is a possibility where the construct of, of people's minds who do get it just form a different reality and they exist within a different reality. You're just not, you're not just not privy or just not a part. You know, when, when they say I'm of the, the earth, you know, on the earth nor of it kind of thing where you can have 
different doorways, different corridors, different houses. You know, my father's house has many rooms and you can exist in a different reality. You don't have to move planets, but you can you can exist in the, in, in the same space, but on different frequencies. But the, but the divine plan overall is to advance humanity. That That was always the grand divine plan because we are not where we should be. No, I've often told people that we create our reality by our perception of it. And um, I've been accused of being a Pollyanna because I am at peace and, and, you know, content and and blissful a lot more than probably a lot of other people. And I I think it's it's how you feel and how you see things and how you can see a better way or you can see a better thing or you can see a better answer. And sometimes people aren't open to that, and, and that's okay. Um, I think that you're right. I, I do believe there are ascended masters here on the planet at this particular point in time, and I don't think they have labels, and I don't think they're doing workshops, and I don't think they're I, – I think ascended masters are – are people who are gently and kindly touching and helping others evolve by being spiritually in their presence and sharing their wisdom, not standing in a pulpit or on a soapbox in a in a in, in a uh, park, but they're people who are radiating such an amazing energy that people are drawn to them. They don't know why, and they they are triggered by being in the presence of something they don't understand. Does that make sense? It does. Um, again, when when you look at you know the, the the only labels that they have are the ones that we we attach to them. Uh, uh-huh. When when you look when when you look at you know do, do, do these these do these masters want followers? Now, of course, they don't because it takes the no. spotlight off the information. That, you know, it takes the spotlight off the information that they are putting forward. Uh, to, to, exactly. to to this race, no, so no, of course. And in relation to reality, you know, it is it is a construct of the mind. If you imagine that everything that the eyes see is upside down, it is the brain uh-huh. that puts it the right way around. So it is the brain that that makes everything look the way it thinks it should be. When you look at the five senses, the five wounds of Christ, which is really you know the, the prison of, of the material, then. We, our five senses take information from universal waves. It passes it to the brain, and then the brain interprets that and creates a familiar world, largely from memory. So uh-huh. reality itself is not what we think it is. You know, when, when we look at something that, that we think is a far-off star, then that's really on the surface of the retina of the eye. So does that mean that there's no such thing as distance? So in terms of reality, this is not reality. This is a construct of the mind, what we believe to be reality. And a lot of the, the uh, geometric shapes that we see on automobiles, on, on, on clothing line logos, on, on, on architecture, goes into the subconscious to create a, should we say, an accepted reality. And when you have an accepted reality, most people accept that that is the way it is, but it's a projection it is not real reality, so I'm, I'm totally with you, and regardless of what people say verbally or or whatever to, to try and diminish your, your opinion on that, then I would go with, with you are right and, and they're not. Well, and the thing is, um, sometimes people just can't hear the truth, 
because they're not ready to deal with it. And, you know, there's nothing you can do. Um, but but I think that, that you have put forth some, some fascinating material here that could certainly um, put a chink in the armor of some of the perceptions that a lot of people have. I, I, I think that, that from from what I gathered from the book that, that, you know, we all have access to so much wisdom and knowledge and it's a matter of being ready to accept that that wisdom and knowledge may not go along with what has been taught them and hammered into them from the beginning of their lives. That's that's right. And and again, there's there's nothing that any one person does that everyone else can't do. Because oh, yeah. no, no one, no one is, you know, no, no one is this this individual special person that that has all the keys and all the secrets, and only they have them. So everything that that I do, everything that everybody else does, every everyone beyond that can can do the same things. And you know, the the one thing I learned the hard way is is never do battle with ignorance. If people don't have no. the eyes to see and the ears to if if they don't have the eyes to see or the ears to hear at that time, then move on and concentrate on the people who do. Because otherwise exactly. you're just going to have this, you know, you're just going to be locking horns for days and days and days and not get anywhere. If they're not ready, just don't battle with, with ignorance and just, just move on and, and, and serve and, and help the people who are ready. That's great advice. I, I think a lot of times, you know, people who are close to us, um, it, it's not that they don't have to have the same opinion. It's a matter of um, talking about the <clears throat> potentiality of a, of a, of a difference. And you know, once the, but, but what, what I find fascinating is that quite often, just in talking, even though they're not accepting, you plant a seed, and sooner or later the seed grows. And it may not even be in this lifetime. But um, I've I've heard from people from 30 years ago that say I said something that at the time they thought I was crazy, and now they decided I wasn't crazy. <laughs> so you know, there's hope. But, uh, and, and I've had the, the, the exact same thing, you know, and you, you can't, you can never undo what, what you've heard. So at some, at some level, you know, you, you, as you quite rightly say, you, you have planted that seed. Again, people mm-hmm. are entitled to, to believe whatever they wish to believe. And, but they, it, it, is my, it is my passion, it is my belief that they deserve to have an alternative view. And when they have that alternative view, then they can decide. But really, you know, the the, the alternative view, when you look at it, it it is quite evidenced, it's quite evidentially uh, clear uh, that that is is the correct uh, road. Well, I think that with a lot of your material, you have based it on actual facts so that it's it's hard to argue it. But in many ways, you're a spiritual Johnny Appleseed. You know, you're scattering the seeds and you're hoping that they take root in places, and I'm sure they will. Uh, and, and then in other places, maybe not so much, but, you know, it's, it's planting those seeds. That's the hardest thing for me sometimes, to, to give out what I feel is a true, a truism, and it's planting a seed. And, you know, it's not our responsibility to water it fertilize it, nurture it, it's the, it's the responsibility of the person who gets the seed, whether or not they're going to allow it to grow within them. And, you know, I, I'm not saying that I have all the answers, because I don't have any of them, probably. But but it's, it's you know, giving out 
what is your truth and letting people try it on and see if it fits and you know do that without you know hammering it down their throats and um i have um in my family i have people who are fundamental christians who are absolutely against most of the material that i get into and yet we 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 live and love together and we don't talk about certain topics because we know we're going to butt heads and i think that's with this material that's exactly what you've got you've got people out there who are going to buy this book and think it's it 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 will trigger something in their consciousness and they'll go never thought of it that way but that's a possibility and let me work with it and then there are others that will put it down and say it's a good book weight you know so but but i think but yeah. but the material is is so is so valuable to look into to try on to see if it fits you and and it's um and so your new book is is on who built the pyramids. Are you going to go into the the root race that did it, or are you going to go into um, another direction with it? Well, no. I mean, who built the pyramids will really uh, certainly, in, in, in my view, with, with the evidence that I found, will will actually solve the mystery once and for all as to who built them, how they built them, why they built them. Not only the pyramids, but all the the monoliths, monuments around the world, and how they did that. It also I, I do reveal for the for, for the first time uh, who I am personally and why I'm into this, and and that will be the first time that I've ever disclosed that kind of information as to what my role is in in, in all of this. So really, who built the pyramid goes into just that. It goes into to the races that did it, why they did it, how they did it, uh, and really it. it, it when when I when I do research and, and it's quite deep and it's quite wide and and there's a lot of information that, that that comes to me as a download from from other places and in all the the, the years that I've been looking and and you know going going through things I've I've never found anybody else anywhere that is saying the same things that will be in who built the pyramids it's a, a unique angle it's a, a unique view and it really does answer the question once and for all. And it, it, it answers it in a deep, but in, in a sensible, logical way. And, and that really, my, my style of writing comes from presenting evidence and just getting to the point and saying, this is the evidence, you know, you, 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 you be the jury, you know, you either believe that evidence or you don't, but, but this is the evidence. And so, so the book goes into a very, very deep, logical, reasonable, sensible adult view of the information that the ancients have left us and it explains my view uh, certainly that the information that i've come across taking you my journey from from childhood to now and answering why it is me that is presenting that information to you i know you've you've dealt a lot with egypt and i and i totally i i totally agree that the foundation of much of what we've got out there does come from ancient egypt but but um you didn't really mention a lot of the South American, the the Teotihuacan and the Puma Punca. I mean, are, are those just right along with the Great Pyramid, or is that another phase of development? It is. It is all the same uh, instruments of a gigantic orchestra. So, if you imagine, you know, you 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 see the orchestra and you have the conductor, which is the Great Pyramid. You have the different shapes, the different uh, material, 
of instruments, the wood section, the brass section, the percussion, etc. So all of these ancient monuments are, putting it in simple terms, are different instruments of, of, of the same orchestra. So when you look at the likes of all the pyramids around the world and beyond Earth, it is the same meaning, it is the same reason, it is, it is the same usage, the same purpose. But on the other hand, you then have, have different versions of that purpose in a different shape, you know, in a circular of stones or, or something else. But nevertheless, it, it is all part of the same thing. And again, you know, I, I do say again in, in, in the new book that it is all different instruments of the, of the same orchestra. And that includes mm-hmm. every single monument and monolith that we found and those that we haven't. And there are a lot that we haven't. Um, have you? Did you go any? In, did you go in any depth into the Antarctic and, and what is possibly there once the ice melts? Well, again, you 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 have certain entrances into inner Earth, which again the the mm-hmm. ancient Egyptians spoke about as of there being races of people within the Earth and and on other planets as well. So you certainly have entrances into them, and. Those are the kinds of things that are being guarded, and there are reports of of military battles uh, on these locations. So Antarctica and, and different places are, are literally, should we say, gateways to inner Earth, and, yeah. and that is what is being covered up. That is what is being guarded. It's just, and and if, does inner Earth have the same journey that those people on in inner earth do they have the same journey that those do on the surface or is there's a different journey well there is a different sort of level of the same journey when, when you look at some of the, the the real sort of famous ancient civilizations that have just mysteriously disappeared some of them have gone into inner earth and some of them are still existing on upper earth but they are on a different frequency so we can't see them now, if you if you develop to a your mind to a certain spiritual maturity, then you'll be able to interact and see them again. But a lot of them went into inner earth to to continue that particular journey at a different frequency level, and that was their their choice to do that. At some point, it is said that they may they may reemerge again. Wow, I wouldn't do it today for sure. Um, it just it's <laughs> <laughs> not not a good climate to come into the, these days. I, I think that that what you've got here is is such a fascinating take on the symbology and the interpretation of. I mean, even even from the Bible, from from Jesus and, and Moses and the and Noah and the Ark. I mean, all of it makes great sense, and part of it. Um, and, and especially the the Exodus, um, it, it it makes sense that there hasn't been any archaeological evidence of a lot of this. And if it is symbolic of a level of consciousness, that would explain that would be one explanation for for why there is no archaeological evidence of a lot of these things. That that's right, and that's because physically they they didn't happen. And when when you look at mystics that they they tap into to universal knowledge and therefore they they understand things in a unique way and i've tapped into the minds of the mystics though so when you look at the exodus when you look at Moses, which as i've said come comes out of the word kehamet which is which is egypt born from egypt 
but in, in, in mystic circles, in Gnostic circles, the, the, the transition from Genesis to Revelation, which is the genitals, to the promised land, which is the mind, the, the, the enlightened mind, takes a path of least resistance. That path of least resistance is known as the Alpen Sea. So that really is, is, is symbolically, the, the, the parting of the Red Sea by Moses is symbolic of the Alpen Sea, the path of least resistance from captivity, the, the, the base chakras, the root chakras, to the, the crown chakra, to the illuminated mm-hmm. mind. And, and that ta- can take a path of least resistance, which is, which is figuratively the, the, the parting of the Red Sea of Moses. Now, when you get to the burning bush, the burning bush is, again, is the illuminated mind. It is, it is the fornix which means furnace, which is inside the mind, which is all to do with the vault, which is all to do with, with, with the, the burial place of your Christ. So again, the, the Moses story, the same with all the others really, is talking about a, a different level of consciousness and advancement of consciousness and to, to basically offer yourself, your personal self, this, this inner ascension. Because everything that we see outside of us is really a, a projection of the projector, which is ourself. So the writers of the Bible had to then be ascended masters putting this into code in order to preserve it through time. Well, the, the, the writers of such sacred books were the mystics, the Gnostics, the, yes, the, the, that was of a, of a master conscious level. Uh, master simply means measurer of stars, so the end going to astronomy and astrology, but nevertheless that they were able to transport hidden secret information through a symbolic language, and that is what we have in the likes of these sacred books if you If you imagine that you know you 're on the battleship above the surface and you become aware of the presence of a submarine and you want to release your depth charges to hit the submarine you have to get to the correct depth in order to find it. And that is the exact same as the sacred books. You know, you have to get to the correct depth in order to find the submarine, which in this case is the vessel of sacred knowledge. But they were able to encrypt it in Hebrew, in Greek, and in English, which is the three coded languages of these sacred books. And they managed to do it to such an extent that people now see the stories that hide the submarine as the absolute reality, as an absolute truth, as nothing else could be possible. And, and that, again, is, is part of the going into deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into matter because they've come so far from the shore that they no longer believe that there is a shore. And that is what has happened. But for those who can understand, you can see a totally different interpretation and a totally different message. And it is that different message that, to me, is absolutely fascinating. It fills me with enthusiasm, which really means the fire of the gods. And Mm -hmm. it stokes the fire in order for me to continue to go forward and try to get to the bottom. Every single day, I want to know more than the the previous day. And that is what keeps the the stone ball rolling. And, And that, for me, is what I wish to do and will continue to do. <clears throat> well, it it just it seems that that this material was written uh, one to two thousand years ago. Possibly they were thinking that humanity would be a little faster on the uptake. 
in order to um, understand and utilize this information. I mean, I, I, it's it's fascinating, and I am so glad that you did this book and and that that you spent you know close to two hours with us, you know, going over it because it's so important that it, it's another option for people and. You know, the more options you can get, the more clear you can get as to what it is you need in your life at this particular point in time. Um, we are getting down to the last little bit here. Um, is there any information that you want to get out there about what you're doing or places you're going to be or your website, information like that you want to get out there? Yeah, thank you. I think my website is michael-feely.com, and that's after L-E-Y. Uh, what I have planned is the likes of church and cathedral tours to, to take people around and actually point out this secret information within churches and cathedrals, which uh, largely I've been given permission to do. Uh, also on the card is, is potentially my own uh, TV show where each week I'll, I will take each, a, a specific piece of, of this information and then go really, really depth, in depth into, into that particular piece. And, and that will be a weekly show which is coming I hope, in the next several months. And as I say, there's the, the new book called uh, Who Built the Pyramids, which came to me in a flash of inspiration. Uh, and since that flash of inspiration 10 to 14 days ago, it is now over 100,000 words in, which so it's not too far <laughs> off being completed. So that, that yeah. when, when it comes, when it comes, it comes, and, and it certainly did. Uh, so that, that's really what, what's, what's in the pipeline in, in the immediate. Well, I, I want to thank you so very, very much for being with me today and for taking the time to to share with our listeners <clears throat> your insight and your information. It's just been fascinating, and I am so appreciative of all of your work. And, and after the show, we will book you for December so we can talk about your new book. Um, thank you so much for being with us today. I so greatly appreciate your time and your energy and your information. No, thank you. It's an absolute pleasure. I, I, I love uh, speaking about these subjects. So, so thank you again for, for inviting me here. Oh, my pleasure, totally. And I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, I do appreciate your time and your energy as well. Please make sure you listen tomorrow night to Mark's show. And um, this will be up on YouTube in ah, later on today. And please... Check it out. If it resonates with you, please share it with your friends because it is fascinating information. So for now, bye-bye. Stay well and stay happy and stay joyful. <laughs>